Welcome, everyone, to 2023 season episode 19 of the Team Blaney podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the podcast offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news, notes, and a lineup of special guests all throughout the year. This week, we break down the number 12 team's run in the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Steve, welcome back to this very exciting episode of the Team Blady Podcast, because for the first time in the dreaded stat of 59 races, we get to celebrate a NASCAR Cup Series points victory by Ryan Blaney and this number 12 team Penske Ford Mustang group. Wow, it just I, I can't imagine what it's like for them, but I, even just as fans, it just feels like a weight has been lifted, complete elation. Um, man, it, it, we just kind of went through a whole range of emotions all throughout that race on Sunday or on Monday, sorry. And uh, wow, here we are. Here we are. You know, somebody pointed out something online uh, a little bit ago that uh, Ryan, from the beginning of his career to his first win, was like 80 plus races. So he's actually had a longer streak already in his career. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the truth is, is if you look at statistics and, and, and statistics, statistics, statistics are great. You know, there have been drivers who are hall of famers who've had streaks a lot longer than this and just kind of went through stretches of things that have happened. Um, but, uh, uh, everything clicked at the right weekend, at the right time, at the right race, um, we got to see almost exactly what I wanted to see where somebody, where he just kicked everybody's butt. And, uh, as we talk about it during the race recap, uh, you know, a hundred and was it a hundred and how many 160 some laps led. I mean, just, just crazy, crazy, crazy day where he did, he got out front and when he was out front, he did whatever he wanted, however he wanted to do it. Uh, forget Clint Boyer and his, oh, he's got short run speed. No, <laughs> no, as, as, as we're going to find out in an interview later on and, uh, and through the race report, uh, they had all the speed and, uh, they were actually doing some fuel conservation at one point. And that's why he didn't pull away from everybody, uh, like he could have done. And at the end of the race, once he got out front, uh, he was just toying with the 24 at that point, he did whatever he wanted. So one other cool thing, I posted this up on some of our, our social channels, is the fact that uh, now it has been 59 races since a points win, but this team did go to victory lane at Texas in the All-Star race last year. That race win happened during the week of the first uh, of uh, the first of the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation's Driving for Good Golf uh, top golf outings there in Charlotte. So that happened last year. Ryan's uh, next visit to Victory Lane also happens within that same week that they hold that top golf charity event. And uh, for both of those events, you were able to be there in person. So you got to experience that charity event that we've been, you know, promoing all year long so far. Uh, take me, take me there to the, the top golf and uh, what you experienced this year and uh, any differences from this year to last year. Was it, it was all pretty much just. Total awesome. I, I'm assuming it was awesome last year. So it had to be awesome this year. Yeah, it, it was. It was totally great. You know, you get your booth, you get your six, you know, everybody's got like six people in their booth and, and then they've got the hole in one thing down the other end of the, of the, of the level. And then they had a room set up off of the side where they had the silent auction. Um, 
But if you listen to episode 100 of our podcast, where we interviewed Ryan, we talked about all these things and we talked about um, my um, less than legal uh, golf club or, a, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, you know, I told I, people it was totally legal totally in, legal, in, in yes. quotation marks, but yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it was so funny because, uh, you know, he come over, he comes over to booth to booth, take a picture with everybody. They take a professional picture. Um, when he comes over to us uh, right away, he actually asked us a couple questions about how the podcast went and how it's been going. And, and then I yanked that driver out of the bag because we had talked about it like what, two weeks earlier. And at first his eyes lit up and he goes, can I try it? <laughs> like, heck yeah. He says, I'm just going to hit one. I'm just going to hit one. Cause he's, he's just starting, you know, we're at the one end of the, uh, of the uh, top golf and he's just starting his way down. So he didn't want to spend too, too much time because he wants to go actually hit some golf balls too and play with his team. But, uh, uh, if you saw the video, you saw the third shot on the video that we posted, he actually hit two other ones. Um, he kept hitting him until he got one right basically. And, uh, I will say, I, uh, I don't know if you can hear it on the sound, um, but somewhere in there, I might've been on the second shot. Actually, I said, uh, that, um, it's taken me years to learn how to hit that club. So, I mean, you know, for him to hit any, any of them straight was going to be kind of tough. Um, but, uh, it was nice. I asked him, I said, is it okay? We post this. And he goes, sure. He says, friends are making uh, fun of my golf swing all the time. Uh, but he actually hit pretty good one on there and we had a blast, had a laugh. Um, I can't wait to see, cause this photographer, uh, if you look at the video, the, there's that uh, thing where the balls come out of his photographer had knelt down behind it and she was taking a picture up at him uh, as he was making his swing. So cool. I, I, I can't wait to see what that looks like. Uh, and, um, you know, Patty, uh, from the foundation took great care of us all weekend long. Um, just kind of set us up with the, some things for the weekend also, but, uh, she, uh, she was great host as usual running around the place like crazy. Um, Aaron and, uh, Emma came by, Leah came by, all visited with us uh, for a couple minutes when they could, saw how everybody was doing. And of course, we were with uh, Jerry and Kirsten Mariotti. The Mariottis um, are awesome. They love coming to the outing now. They've been two years in a row. And uh, they, Kirsten is great at online bidding um, <laughs> with the silent auction. Yep. Uh, she was juggling all kinds of things, had a couple ideas of what they, what they wanted. And um, if you go to uh, Jerry's uh, Facebook page there. I actually posted a picture. He but won. They won the um the bottle of wine with that picture of all the Blaney's on it. Um, he's not going to drink it out of it. He's not going to open it. He, he, yeah. he went over. He actually literally went over to a couple of the girls and asked them where that wine was from. I think he asked Ryan's girlfriend actually where that wine was from because he just wants to buy a bottle of it to try it. Um, because he's not going to open up that bottle with that with that beautiful uh, picture on there and you know mess it up. So, um. Yeah, a, a great event. Uh, you know, like I said, you get a chance. Uh, they, uh, hopefully, we'll do it again next year. And uh, if anybody who you know wants to experience it, get a hold of the uh, Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. And um, you know, the, I saw the uh, Team Blaney podcast was on the Wall of Fame over there. Uh, so hopefully, they'll be getting that card out to you. You know, that was that was a nice little thing that they do. Like I said, every year. So um, you know, check out our social medias for some of the pictures, the events, the videos <laughs> of the swings. Um, you know, we had, had a wonderful time. Yeah. A little, definitely a little bit jealous, tried to live it 
uh, live it through you guys, your guys' experience that we weren't able to get up there this year to do some work obligations. But uh, yeah, it turned out uh, my wife Tara and Kirsten actually were bidding against each other on one, one of the auction items. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tara was able to come home with that. Yeah, but since we weren't going to be able to be there, we definitely got our donation in to get on the Wall of Fame. So um, I got a couple of those back behind me in the office from last year and looking forward to, to getting that one from this year. It was a great souvenir. Um, really do hope that they can get that event back together again for its third annual event next year that driving for good top golf outing out there in Charlotte. Always a good time. Now the plan was for you to stay through the weekend and uh, get to experience all the, uh, the pump and circumstance of the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, you did get to see a pretty cool truck race. And we talked that, you know, the truck series at Charlotte uh, and honestly, all three series at Charlotte uh, put on a really, really great show. And uh, so you did get to at least see some on track activity with the race with the truck series. Yeah. The truck race uh, Friday night was pretty good. Um, and, uh, you know, they had a couple late cautions, uh, kind of, kind of made it more interesting, but, um, Zane, Zane was really going for it at one point and, uh, he, he yeah. tried a little, t- little too hard there. Um, but overall it was a good night of racing. Um, we made sure we went to that one because we knew what the weather was going to be like the rest of the weekend. So, um, we knew so that the, yeah. So unfortunately you got there on Sunday, you got to hang out a little bit, got to meet mm-hmm. some folks, got to meet Taylor, uh, kitchen who was uh, yeah. on one of our earlier episodes who's a, a fellow member of the nascar twitter community <laughs> nascar media community out there and uh really good that you got to to meet up with her after interviewing her earlier yeah. this year but then the the rain kind of dampened your parade because you guys also had some work obligations you needed to get back to so you weren't there for the big moment but you did get back home in time to uh, watch everything on tv yeah, Monday was a travel day no matter what we did. And the only thing that we thought about is if they would have scheduled the start of the race at like noon, like they a lot of times do on a Monday, um, we would have tried it. Maybe tried a couple hours and then start driving or seen how quick it went and then and then start driving. But um, because they had to put the Xfinity race on to Sunday too, it just, you know, it, it changed everything. And we decided to just go ahead and come home and actually got home before the race even started. So I got to note taking like normal. Um, but, uh, yeah, we did see the jet dryer 200, <laughs> <laughs> them boys worked really hard. Um, you know, they try really hard to make that track dry, but, uh, they had certain windows they were talking about and if they could get it dry, it takes over two hours and that's without any sunlight or help. And it just kept drizzling and drizzling and misty drizzle. And it was really just the weirdest because it was a tropical storm that blew in from the coast. So it just, yeah, it was really bad uh, weather pattern. So you teased it a little bit as we were talking about an interview that we're going to have a little bit later. And uh, I'll just go ahead and spoil it. We're going to have Tony Palmer, who is the race engineer for Ryan Blaney's number 12 uh, car. He's going to come on, come and talk with us. We've been doing these interviews the last couple of years. We bring on members of the crew, talk a little bit about their backstory. And the great thing here too, is Tony gives us some really cool insights on this victory in the Coca-Cola 600, some insights into the strategy and fuel mileage and what goes into calls, what kind of data and analysis tools do they have on the pit box and some really neat things. And also some really cool stories uh, about how he got in into racing. Uh, but I'm really excited to get into our race recap. We've been able to do four of these episodes, including the all-star race last year, where we get to recap uh, Ryan Blaney victory. And I'm really excited to do number five here. So Steve, let's jump into it. Unfortunately, or fortunately for you, since you don't mind when there's no practice, there wasn't really any on track activity to talk about going into this weekend. No, um, this weekend, um, 
it was uh, rained out on on Saturday to practice the qualifying. And like I always say, I don't care. Um, they don't need it, and uh, they prove they don't need it once again. Jonathan and the boys, uh, they line up eighth to start on Sunday with the metric. Uh, the twenty four is on the pole, and uh, we got pit stall twenty six, which is uh, has an opening in front and the seven car behind him. Of course, we get the stages of 100, 200, 300, and then the ending at flat 400, 14 sets of tires, um, fuel run of like 61 to 65 laps. And of course, they do the dreaded com- competition caution. I think it was end up at lap 30. Um, so, um, you know, without any practice or anything like that, we know that it, it all depends on how well they think that car set up under the weather conditions they're going to have and the track conditions they're going to have. And at lap two, he clears the 23, gets to seventh, and at lap three, passes the eight car, gets to sixth. Lap uh, four, he's all the way up to fourth. I lost track of how many guys he was passing at that point. It happened so quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, he's battling back and forth with, like, the 11, and then 11 passes him, but then he passes the four, and he's up to fourth again. And at lap 10, he says he's a little bit free here. So um, at lap 15, the 11 car actually takes the lead off the 24. So now we start to see whose adjustments were better than whose at the start of the race. Lap 18, um, they pass the eight, they get to third. Lap 25, pass the 24, they get to second. Uh, lap 30, the 20 car, who's pretty strong at this point, he passes and, and Ryan goes back to third here. And lap 34, the 20 gets up there and he actually takes the lead. That's how fast he was. And then lap um, 35 here is when we uh, we pass the 11, get to second, and we get the competition caution all at the same time. Uh, so uh, Ryan is talking about um, the entry to one is a little tight, the chattering in the rears going into three and into the bumps, and uh, a little he needs to be a little tighter in three and four. So they're pinning in second, they come out second. Now these pit times, we're going to talk about this uh, now, right now, because I've been going to the NASCAR app waiting five, 10 laps, all of a sudden they'll post the pit times. Okay. The NASCAR app must be using it from when they enter the box to when they exit the box from, from what we understand. TV was using, uh, what'd you say from when the gun first yeah. hits? Yeah. Basically when they engage the car, the pit crew engages the car, the car. So this is going to be a little bit different. You're going to hear my times because that's what I got off the NASCAR app. Think half a second to a second faster, maybe. Um, and, uh, you know, as we find out from listening to, to, uh, in our interview with Tony later on that, uh, they were all, uh, sub 10 second stops. Actually, um, I have it at 10.27. Now, like I said, uh, that is from going into the box to out of the box, the timing that they use on TV. I think it showed at like a 9.75 or something. Yeah. Like that, right. Yeah. Nine, five, nine, seven, nine, three. Yep. This was arguably the best performance by this pit crew all year long they've been really solid this year Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as like consistently fast stops no mistakes man they hit it out of the park in this race yeah um jonathan says we did a little bit of air pressure to help the tight um and there was a little bit of miscommunication on the adjustment here so that he asked ryan to adjust more using his brake bias um to help him uh the choose is the the leader is the 24 he takes the bottom and ryan and pete do takes the top and uh, the restart lap 41, he clears the 24 out of two, and we're up to first. So now we're just like logging laps out there in the lead. You know, lap 52, he's got a one-second lead. Um, that lap 63, the 20 passes the 24 for second. So the, the 20 is a guy to keep an eye on here. Um, lap 70, Ryan says he's a little loose. 
And uh, we get uh, lap 74 caution for the 84 car who had some issues this race. Um, Ryan the whole, says he's the whole motor club had some issues this race. No, my God, that's true. They did, didn't they? <laughs> um, the Ryan says he a number and a half, uh, possibly to get it a little tighter. Um, so they're pitting, they're coming in, they're doing a smaller adjustment because it's going to be a shorter run. Um, the lap, uh, the uh, time on the on the app here once again is nine point nine seven. So, like I said, it's n- probably nine point two five or something like that on the on the TV side. Um, they're pitting second. They come out second. So they restart uh, with the 24 taking the top, Ryan taking the bottom. And um, at lap 80, it sorts out the P2. Lap 99 is trying to pass the 24. Um, the 20 ends up passing him this because there's like a three-way scrum there for a second. So he gets to third there in stage one, and the 24 wins the stage. Uh, Ryan says the changes were good. Uh, just tighten it a hair and see where that goes. Um, we're pitting third to come out third. Um, and I don't know, somebody stayed out. Oh yeah. The 34 car stays out. So actually P4 for the choose cone here. Cause the 34 stays out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the, the front row cars in this race. They, uh, they both they, decided uh, to make some noise by staying out at some interesting out. times. Well, what's interesting later on is the 38 for the 38. It actually worked out. He lost his positions a little bit, but he was able to hold up and, and put himself in a decent position at the end. 34, uh, not so, so much. Uh, so we restart lap 105 here. Um, and he's in the low lane behind the 34, which kind of is not a good thing because, you you know, even though you're pushing the guy, he's not, he's wiggling way too much. Uh, but he sorts out the fourth at um, lap 109. Uh, he passes the 45, gets the third, and 24 is now leading the 20. And um, at lap uh, 115 here, the 24 and the 20 battle in front of Ryan. 45 ends up coming past Ryan here. Ryan's in fourth still. Uh, lap 117, the 20 takes the lead. Ryan passes the 24. 24 starting to fall backwards. So Ryan gets to third, and we got a light missed. Uh, lap 136, he says it's feeling fairly balanced. And um, at lap 143, uh, let's see, the two. Is this where the two hits the wall? And he has to pit because of it. Um, and Ryan says we're generally getting tight here. So the lap 147, we're pitting here, and um, this is a cycle, a green flag cycle here. We're third entering the cycle, um, and this is like a 10.47 stop. So once again, this is probably sub sub uh, 10. Um, lap 150, we're in seventh. Four cars haven't pitted yet, uh, but he should end up P3 behind the 45 and the 6 when it all cycles through here. And then we get a lap 155, a caution for the rain uh, with the 45 leading, and Ryan is in third. What's interesting is, you know, this race is so long that I almost forgot that this, there was an actual rain delay within the race yeah. as well. And not just being delayed to start, being delayed a day, uh, but they, in this was, it lasted a little while. They all got out of their cars. Yeah, they got out for, and I, I didn't time it here, uh, but they did go red flag at lap 158. Um, so when they get back in the car, uh, Jonathan says, we're going to stick with what we talked about. So this is something that happened, you know, while they're out of the car, because there's no communication. But the first thing I hear is we're going to stick with what we talked about at number three. And Ryan says 10-4. So um, interesting thing, the 20 had an unapproved adjustment during the rain delay. I don't know what they did, but they did something they weren't supposed so to. So TV said that they were cutting away part of the wrap uh, on the hood or something like that. And that 
I don't know if they were trying to smooth something or they noticed something and they're like, oh, let's kind of move this this piece. Uh, but I guess that that is a no no. That's a it's an unapproved adjustment to even mess with probably anything. And I guess I don't know. There maybe there could be some aerodynamic advantages, but that definitely puts the twenty has been fast all day. He kind of had a little bit of a longer run car and was able to make up spots after pit stops. So mm-hmm. um, probably a good thing that this happened. But that's uh, that's what I was going to say here. The reason I wrote it all down was uh, you know. They tell him, Josh tells him to the 20 to the rear front approved. And Ryan goes, copy that. <laughs> He's kind of hard, uh, happy about it. Cause it was somebody he had to race around, race hard with. Um, so they, uh, they actually stay out here uh, as part of the strategy. Uh, the 45, the 12, the 19, the 99, the nine, all stay out. So, uh, on the choose going, the 45 takes the top. Ryan takes the bottom we restart at lap one sixty three. sorts out to third. And then we get a caution for the 84 again. And I think this is one. I think this is the one where the 84 collects, uh, helps collect the 42 and the 43. Yeah. So the 42 and 43 already had some problems where they both in the same lap ran over some debris and took out both their radiators. The 84 had that crash, uh, early on in the race. Uh, but yeah, this one takes out the Jimmy and, and Noah Gregson. It looked like Jimmy just didn't realize Noah was on the outside and, Man, it was a it was a bad day, like we said, for Legacy Motor Club. And I think Jimmy, even after the race, kind of said, you know, he you know really missed that they didn't get any practice. Uh, felt like you know his his performance in the sim wasn't up to par. Just felt a little bit underprepared for the race. And man, unfortunately for that team, it showed. And it's I, I think they're going to struggle the rest of the year until Toyota comes uh, comes in twenty twenty four. Yeah. Uh, so for the choose cut here, the 45 is taking the top. Ryan is P3 for the choose, taking the bottom, putting him on the front row. And I start taking uh, note of who's pushing him because uh, this ends up, if you get a line, somebody lined up behind you and give you a good push, it makes a big difference here. Uh, the 19 is actually pushing the 45 and the six is actually the guy pushing Ryan. Um, so we get the restart lap 169 and the race in the 45 pretty hard here, but the 45 does pass. So Ryan's up to second. At lap 175, we had a caution for the eight car, and um, he spun out. And, you know, uh, so Jonathan says that uh, their bed is probably made. They're probably going to have to stay out here till the end of the stage here. Um, so the choose cone, the 45, takes the top. Ryan takes the bottom. They got the uh, 17 behind the 45, and they got the 9 and the 11 behind Ryan. They restart lap 181, and we get to the lead here with a nice push. Huge push from Chase Elliott. Man, yes, they worked beautiful. great together. They did. And then we get a caution at lap 186 for the 11 and the 9. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to get into that now? <laughs> we can just do it real, real quickly just real because quick. there's been kind of breaking news, you know, as we went to, re- to record this on, on Tuesday. And they, man, I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, I guess with a short week, they had to make the decision quick. But mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of internet sleuths and people with screen grabs that make it look like the six is the one that turned the nine. If you actually watch the video, the contact with the six doesn't happen until after the nine comes down, comes down off the wall, straightens his car out, then hooks it, uh, mm-hmm. hooks it left into the the right rear of the, of the 11, sending the 11 straight into the wall. Uh, the nine also gets c- collected again and you know, his race is over because of this. And man, it's just, I know these guys are making split second decisions, uh, but you, immediately it's like, well, immediately calls right back to, to Bubba Wallace and, and mm-hmm. Kyle Larson. And though, you know, Bubba's looked way more egregious because he had to go a little bit further down the track to, to make the move. I say the result ends up being the same. And, and right away I said, they gotta, they gotta suspend the nine. I don't want to see the guy suspended, but if they're going to be consistent, they got to do it. 
Okay, Bubba's looked more egregious because they were out in the open more. Yeah, they were more spread out at that point, and there wasn't anybody really racing near them. This time, there was actually you know, the six car included a couple cars around them. Um, but if you watch it, Chase goes basically three lanes to his left to find him. And it's funny as Dawsonville Paul uh, pool room is on Twitter going, oh, but if you look at the data, he hit the brakes, and how could he hit him if he hit the brakes and blah blah blah. No. No, that data, if you read it correctly, he hit the brakes after he hit him so that he could avoid him. The trick is to rear hook, you know, hook them in the right rear and then have them spin around your nose and you keep going. Keep going. Yeah. And that's didn't the work. key. And it didn't work. <laughs> he messed that up and it took himself out. So it's yeah. there. The data is there. It shows that Denny did what he did after, you know, right afterward or on the radio. And then of course on his podcast today to make sure that everybody knew that it should be a foul. And, um, you know, you, I, you know, Chase is, you know, generally is a good guy. I, I, we've, we've actually met, oh, you know, absolutely. talked to him, you know, he really is. And he's good friends with Ryan. And, um, but this is a heat of the moment thing that he did. And I, you know, it's something that he should not be able to get away with, you know, they're at high speeds and, NASCAR said they and they've made a rule for this basically. So it was egregious. It definitely looked egregious, and the data backed it up. So uh, you know he gets what he gets. I think. I don't think uh, anybody really can defend the actions. Yeah, like you said, he's a he's a great guy in the car, out of the car, great friends with Ryan. I did not wish a suspension on him, uh, but unfortunately, that is what has happened. NASCAR came out and and announced that the the driver of the number nine car is going to be suspended for the race at Gateway. Really cool opportunity here is that Spire Motorsports is, is letting Corey LaJoy go and fill in for this race for Hendrick Motorsports in the number nine car, so probably the first time Corey's going to be in super top-notch equipment. This is yeah. also happening because the Xfinity Series is in Portland, so the Josh Berry isn't going to be able to be in town to play fill-in for yet uh, again for the for the nine cars he did earlier in the year when Chase was out with injury. Uh, man, this is going to really hurt uh, Chase's chances. He was on the cusp of possibly being able to point his way into the playoffs if he needed to. This pretty much ends that. And uh, and I think he's going to win a race anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but this will be – this is an interesting one here where, you know, when Bubba was suspended that race last year, that was already – he had already missed the playoffs. He wasn't he wasn't in the playoffs. Uh, they were in, like, the owner's playoffs, I think, at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, so <laughs> automatically now after the suspension, people are talking about, well, you know, are, are they still going to give him the waiver now? Because, you know, Hendrick Motorsports announced – you know, we're not going to appeal this. We, they need to be consistent on the rules. We understand, but they are going to apply for that, that championship or, uh, you know, yeah. playoffs waiver. So we'll yeah. see. I'm, I'm assuming NASCAR. Yeah. They're just going to, they're going to grant gonna, it, but they'll grant it. if there was um, ever a time to, to question that, uh, maybe now would be the time, but it's fine. You know, sitting home that, I mean, he already did it for injury. Now he's going to do it because of a, an on-track incident. It's huge punishment to sit out of one of these races, but I'm really, really glad that that they're going to be consistent on this call. And, um, you know, that puts everybody on on notice, even Ryan, you know, I mean, Ryan, you know, can get angry behind the wheel, too. It's just, you know, you can't act immediately then or if you're going to do it. Don't make it a hook. Uh, Save it for a short track, you know, save it for Mm -hmm. a, a way, maybe hold somebody up. Um, mm-hmm. you just can't go out there and do that. Cause man, it's so dangerous. I know Denny's saying, you know, his neck hurts and all that stuff, but it was a really pretty big impact straight on into the wall. 
you know, um, stacking pennies should be really interesting this week. Uh, you know, Corey, uh, I think they haven't recorded or they were already rec- recording it after the announcement. So um, it'd be interesting to hear his insights on what, what he's going to go through this week. And uh, of course, Ryan Flores is on that uh, yep. podcast and we're going to get to hear about how him and the boys were all dogs all race yep. long. Yep. That'll be great. Great to hear. Um, you know, you, you, know, you always want to hear, everybody always gets to hear about what happened when something goes wrong, but now we get to hear about, you know, eight or 10 pit stops that went right all night long. So that'd be great to hear on, uh, stacking quarters, actually. That's not that's not a great, <laughs> great quip yeah. from Bubba. <laughs> yeah. Stacking quarters. So, um, that, uh, that ca- oh, caution for those two at the lap one eighty six here. And, um, Jonathan says, uh, same story here. I'm going to ride it out to the end of the stage. Uh, Ryan takes the top with the 45 pushing and the 17 is below Ryan. And um, we restart lap 191. We're racing the 17. The 17 clears, so Ryan's in second. At um, 194, the four passes is back to third here. And at lap 196, the six passes back to fourth. And um, at lap 197, the 22 passes back to fifth. And then what happened is a couple guys with fresher tires got, got there. And uh, yeah, I was going to say, of- if people don't remember prior to our, our discussion there on Chase and, and, and the 11 car, yeah, they had stayed out on, mm-hmm. on older tires. They had a little bit of a buffer here, uh, but it was potentially a matter of time when some of these other guys caught up. I thought it was early enough in the race to see this mm-hmm. is an experiment time. Like they didn't, mm-hmm. they probably weren't going to fall out of the top 10, but maybe it's worth seeing what they could maybe have in their toolbox later on in the race when it comes to tire strategy. Here's something really cool here. So we get to lap 200. We get the caution for the 78 right at the at the end of the stage here. 17 wins the stage. Ryan's fifth. It's the 17, the four, the six, the 22, and the 12. So the Fords are not dead at the mile and a half just yet. Um, that's five Fords at the front of the field uh, at the end of stage two. And some of that was on strategy there, but you'll see at different parts of the race, though, you know, there's there were a lot of Fords running in the top 10. I don't think that they've they figured out, you know, how to fix their arrow disadvantage. I think that's still going to be inherent with this front nose. But I do think they did find out at least something for Charlotte, something in the setup. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's something they can use going forward when they get back to Kansas and Las Vegas yeah. and Homestead and some of these other places. But at least on this one, the simulation, whatever they needed, they hit on it this week. And it's pretty clear to me that Ford shared that data around with everybody going mm-hmm. into this race. Yeah. Um, so Jonathan and Ryan are discussing the adjustments here. Uh, they're pinning in fifth out fifth. The, like I said, I have a 10.410 according to NASCAR. So once again, that's probably a sub 10, um, the 47 and the eight stayed out. So we're seventh for the choose cone here. Um, 47 taking the top, Ryan taking the top, they restart lap two Oh seven and, uh, pretty much within the first lap, he's up to fourth. Um, and up to eight, the four takes the lead off of these guys. So lap 309, Ryan passes the 47, who falls backward. Ryan's up to third. At lap 215, uh, he passes the 22 pretty easily, too. The 22 kind of knew that Ryan was faster um, and gave up the spot, so Ryan's up to second here. Lap 220, uh, Ryan says we're a little bit snug. And at lap 224, he passes the four car up to first. And um, I put on the Discord chat a um, mail truck because we're hauling the mail. At lap 228, um, he's 1.2 ahead of the four, and Ryan says it's a little loose, and then Jonathan uh, says copy that. At lap 231, we get a caution for the 20. So Ryan says you need to be a number tighter. Hitting in first and out third, 
but this is a 10.176. And, um, you know, I will say this again and again, uh, during, you know, during some of these pit stops, that's a sub nine. You know, like I said, with what, what we've learned about how they, they time these pit stops and I mean, sorry, sub 10, it's a nine in the nine second bracket. Um, but 24 car and the way that the end of pit road timing line is, is very, very, very confusing. When you're watching it on TV and they show you the 24 leaving the box, their line was literally, as we find out here, uh, when we talk later on with Tony, uh, 15 feet outside the box, something like that. I think it was. And the, um, you know, that line was not hard to hit and you didn't have to really hit the accelerator. He just had to move um, where everybody else is decelerating, going into the box and having to ex, uh, accelerate coming out of their box. The 24 didn't have to worry about speeding off pit road. He just punches it. And you know, it looks like an optical illusion because he punches it. He beats Ryan and everybody else to that line. And then, um, you know, and it's not even necessarily a line on the pavement. It's a, I kept hearing him and you'll hear Tony refer to it as a camera. There's like yeah. a camera at the end that, that they trigger as they're going through there. So if on TV, we kept seeing Ryan most of the race, you know, beating these guys off pit road, especially even, you know, the second half of this race. And it, yeah, it just seemed like, all right, we're out with the lead this time. And it's like, nah, it's the 24. And so that way it, the 24 it, could come in and forth, come out with first almost every time. And, and they were on, you know, I mean, they were on fire too. You know, they yeah. were probably the fastest crew all night long. So props to them, but man, that, but that number one style is so advantageous for sure. Yeah. They, they said it was worth two spots almost every time, no matter what. No matter where he came in, he was going to gain two spots as long as their pit stop was clean. Um, really makes you think that you know other tracks that line is out there further. Um, there have been tracks where um, where somebody punched it, got to the line, and actually sped before they got to the line. As as Priest, the forty one car, I think it, it yeah. was. Um, they're up. The, the thing there was they they had a box that was ahead of the number one pit stall. They eliminated that, and they mm-hmm. didn't realize it. So yeah, he would he would get up to speed enough to where they were speeding before they got to the line, and that. Yeah. So maybe that's not the place where you're going to want to pick the number one stall. No, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe they should adjust all these thing, lines where the number one box has to accelerate a little bit, you know, because it really was. He literally just had to accelerate. Uh, five yards so um so the 24 let's see here yeah that's a huge advantage in the in pit stall one here the 24 takes the top ryan takes the bottom here um with the 22 pushing which is great um the four is pushing the 24 here and they tell ryan we're close on the fuel number to the end of the stage here and this is like where i get with the tv guys and you know, short run speed. They only got short run speed and the long run this and the long run that. Well, no, as I'm listening to the scanner, they're literally telling Ryan to run slower. So he, you know, he hits a uh, lap, uh, 236, um, 22 pushes him all the way out to the lead. And Ryan, you know, basically asks where the 45 is running from second. So he's out in front of the 45, but now he's running lap times to just maintain. And, um, you know, Josh is giving him that information on just where, how, how far back and what line, how far back and what line, how far back and what line. And Ryan is running laps on lifting a little early or, or maybe not, or, or, or getting on the throttle a little later or whatever it is to, you know, to conserve fuel. Um, <clears throat> at lap 255, Jonathan says, keep doing what you're doing on fuel. If the 45 gets by you, that's fine. They literally tell him that. We're, we're just trying to get to the end of the stage. Um, at lap two, uh, 62, the 45 seems to be maintaining fuel also. So, you know, he got within a second, but then he didn't try to push it. Um, at lap two sixty seven, 
Johnson says, if you want to be a little more aggressive now, go ahead. At lap 270, the 45 does his little bobble off the wall. Yeah. And yeah, I think Ryan kind of checks out at this point. Um, I think I made a joke on Twitter that, you know, basically Jonathan came over the radio and told Ryan it was time to drop the hammer. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you just saw that lead. I mean, the bobble definitely helped, but yeah, Mm -hmm. he kind of stretches it out to a big lead here. And I'm like, you know what? I think, uh, I think Clint might be a little wrong here. Plus, Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned that pit stop where they did lose a couple spots. Uh, Maybe it was a little bit, just slightly longer. Um, they did they did make an adjustment in that one too because they were mm-hmm. trending loose throughout the race. I think there's mm-hmm. one time where they talked about being tight, so they did put a wrench in the car. I think on that stop. So yeah. I thought between that and then finally being able to go out and run his true speed, it was like, okay, man, you know, I think you know, I think we got something tonight. Yeah, um, we get to yeah, one, top two seventy two. He's like uh, I'm a second and a half ahead of the forty five. But at lap two seventy six, we get a caution for the six and the fifty one. Um, he says a little bit free here. Um, Johnson says we're only going to have 20 laps left. So, um, you know, if you want to leave it, uh, but they, you know, they, uh, come in first, they come out second and it was a 10.21. So once again, it was probably below 10. Yeah. Another sub stop. Um, yeah. Sub 10 stop. But the 24, 24 <laughs> right at the end of pit road, right? Uh, Ryan says it's not even fair. He literally says that it's not even fair. Um, so Ryan, uh, 24 takes the bottom with the four pushing Ryan takes the top with the 45 pushing. We get the restart lap 280. Um, he sorts out the P two here at lap 282. He passes the 24 up to first, uh, Jonathan, uh, Josh gets on the radio and says, nice work, uh, fastest lap of the day. And when you look it up, it was, it was his fastest lap of the day. And we're, you know, almost 300 laps into the race. Um, we've seen this happen over and over again in this race. So I'm not always super, super confident during races, but I just said that last run, we saw what he could do when he was able to run, you know, to his peak performance. And we've seen him, you know, start on restarts in the second position, third position, the fourth position, the fifth position, and almost every single time race back up to the lead. And, you know, it's, it's been so long since that points win, but I think this is kind of the moment where I'm like, really thinking like we can do this. By we, I mean them, but you know, Ryan can do this, you know, you know, Josh and Jonathan, they, they can do this. They can win this race. Um, so the lap two eighty five, uh, Josh is giving coverage of, uh, what the 45 is doing behind him here. And, you know, basically he covers him the whole rest of the stage at lap 300 Ryan wins stage three. Um, Ryan says, I'm just loose, uh, number, maybe a number and a half, um, now you know this this team led the series in stage wins last year. Uh didn't win a race though. They've been extremely consistent all year long, haven't won a stage yet. Uh so this was the first stage win of the season for the 12 team and uh gets a really really needed playoff point that they've been missing all year long. They're pitting coming in first, they come out second. They ran a 9.943 stop, which, like I said, once again, that's the NASCAR app. It's probably more like 925 or something. I think it might be. This might be that. So, um, stop of the race. Penske, yeah, shared that Pure Tech stop of the race. So, I think it was like a 9.4 or something. So, I think yeah. that might have been their fastest stop of the day. And uh, I think it comes here. And it just shows you, we talked about already, like, man, they're just, they're just grinding it out on pit road. Um, yeah. Doing everything they can <laughs> super fast stop, still come out second <laughs> here. Well, here's the thing that for the 24 was fourth coming down pit road. Once again, though, that pit stall is probably worth almost a second and they come out first, um, probably had the same exact pit time as Ryan to tell you the truth, but because of the pit stall selection. So, um, 
the choose cone here, 24 takes the top with the five and the 54 pushing. Ryan takes the bottom with the 45 and the four pushing. We restart lap 308 and uh, we get the lead by turn four. Lap 310, the 45 is pushing Ryan. Lap 320, uh, he's half second ahead of the 45. Um, three, 324, the 45 gets loose in four again, <laughs> goes through the grass. <laughs> and Ryan gets stretches it out to a two second lead on him at that point. At, um, at lap 330, the eight is actually now up to P2, but 2.8 seconds back of Ryan. I just wanted to see it go green at this point. Just go green the rest of the race. Let's get one green flag pit stop in. Make it a good one. Exactly. Blow out the lead a little more and then just, you know. Yeah, with the lead that they had, I thought if they just had a solid stop, no mistakes, they'd still Mm -hmm. come back out with the lead. Yeah. And let's just just, just win it from here. Yeah, lap 335, and Ryan's talking about adjustments for their pit stop. Uh, Need to tighten up a bit, maybe a number. He's 3.1 seconds ahead at this point. And at lap 342, we get a caution for the 34th tire. And Kate, my wife, sings the song. You know the song. It was a fine time to leave. Leave, leave a, loose, loose wheel. a loose wheel. Yeah. Um, so wow, we're pinning, wow. pinning in first and come out fourth. Um, and once again, uh, the 24 car was fourth coming in. And, you know, Ryan does get passed by the 45 and the 8. But once again, it was a 10.31 second stop. And I have in here that they actually did put a wrench in there too. They so, did. so it was probably a sub 10 second stop again with putting a wrench in the car and you know, the 45 and the eight just had extremely good stops themselves probably. So it was nothing that anybody did wrong. You know, the stop was actually solid, really good stop, fast stop. Um, Jonathan tells them they put wedge in there, air pressure. They're trying to stay ahead on the long run, you know, stay ahead of the track. Um, the 24 takes the top and Ryan takes the bottom here behind the 45. Um, they restart lap 40, 349. He starts to fifth here. Kind of a wild, crazy restart. Lap 355 passes the 19, gets to fourth. And then we get a caution at lap 354 for the four car. Jonathan says, hey, we got eight laps on the tires. Um, boy, so what adjustment we want to make? We're pitting in fourth. They come out third. This one I have listed 10.143. So once again, like I said, it's probably around 9.5. Um, 38 stayed out here. 38 took the top. Ryan takes the bottom behind the 24. What were your immediate thoughts? So the 34 um, did this earlier in the race, and yeah. it did not go well for them. Obviously, Zane, you know, we're, we're kind of fans of Zane there because of the work he does with Josh on the on the truck side. Uh, but man, I was like, oh no, this, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a Ford team kind of getting in the way of a Ford team that has a really good shot to win this race. And, oh man, I was just, I was a little bit frustrated. <laughs> it's a, it's a rolling roadblock and I just don't understand. Like, I, I know the strategy, it kind of works for them because they lose some spots, but then they hit later on and get fresh tires and get themselves back up. And, you know, it works out for them in the long run, but, but overall, it's just a, it's a dangerous thing because, if he doesn't do a very good job with the restart and all of a sudden he just stacks up the line and, you know, you get, you get in a mess behind him trying to get around him. And um, that's the one thing I know about Ryan taking the bottom here. I kind of thought, well, maybe they'll get around him um, by going underneath him. So we restart lap 362 and 24 does take the lead here, but, but we get a caution for a spin and four with the with 16 and 22 and the 21 gets involved in this, but Ryan's up to second as this all happens. So 
Um, he had done a great job on that restart. Like I said, pushing the 24, getting past the 38. Then you go ahead and stay out. 24 takes the top with the five and the 45 push, pushing. Ryan takes the bottom with the 19 and the eight pushing. And we get a restart at lap um, 369. But he only sorts out to P2 here on this restart. And we get a caution for um, the two car and, uh, you know, spinning on the back stretch. So we're staying out here. This is like the absolute definition of cautions, yeah. breeding cautions. Breeding cautions. And, and honestly, this is kind of a point in the race, though, where I was talking about being optimistic and I'm thinking back. I was like, you know what? All at this point, six out of Ryan's seven wins in the Cup Series have all been dramatic, all been kind of crazy races, late restarts. Uh, even in the Xfinity series, a lot of his wins involved like having to hold off guys through multiple multiple restarts as well. So I was like, maybe this isn't a bad thing. Maybe this is a, a good omen uh, because only that Atlanta race where he tracked down Kyle Larson by you know saving and managing his tires and then eventually eventually blowing him away at the end of the race for that win. All of his other ones have been pretty dramatic. So for once in my life, watching a race, I'm spinning things to the positive <laughs> things are going to be, be okay. Uh, so I was okay with this, but man, it's just so many back to back to back to back. And we're seeing teammates getting taken out, you know, the 21 and the 22, and then the two now, you know, fences it or, you know, noses it into the inside fence. And it's just, man, uh, I hate to see that, but at least the 12 is still on the front row. Yeah. So we get the, for this shoes, uh, cone, the 24 taking the top with the five and the 45 pushing Ryan went the bottom with the 19 and the eight pushing, <laughs> excuse me. And restarts at lap 374, and we caution behind them for the five. But during all this, Ryan took the lead. So he was side by side, but he got just a nose out there, took the lead. Um, just what he needed, just to get yeah. the control of the race. Yeah. Five, the 20, 22, the 54, the 10 were all involved. Uh, of course, we're staying out here. Ryan takes the top, and this is where I think where this thing happens with the 19, too. Ryan takes the top. He's got the 19 and, and the 45 pushing him. 24 takes the bottom with the 8 and the 41. Um, the radio is real quiet. <laughs> Notice that. Uh, restart lap 379, and by turn one, we're clear. So, like I said, I, if on TV, if you saw this, this is probably where Ryan got out in front. The 19 gave him a great push, and then Ryan wiggled. And as he wiggled, everybody went, whoa, and kind of backed off a hair because you don't want to be part of the accident, you know, driving into it. Um, and that's part of what, how he, I think, got clear of everybody by turn one. Um, by lap 385, he's seven tenths ahead <laughs> you know within five six laps and josh is talking about where the 24 is running at lap 390 he's six point six five ahead at lap 392 we're about a you know half a tenth every lap all right um, i was super super positive uh yeah, I, just, i've changed my mindset has changed now yeah just pulling away Lap three ninety five. There's no gain from anybody. Five. I'm still to go. nervous. I'm still sweating. Still pacing around the room. By lap three ninety seven, it's over one second advantage. Is this really going to happen? Is it? Is this really the night? Is somebody <laughs> going to hit the wall? Is our wheel going to fall off? Mike stop Mike, was so fast. Mike Joyce is crazy because at the end he's trying to add drama. Like they're in turn four and he says, "Oh, he's closed it to eight tenths of a eight tenths of nothing." <laughs> No, go away, buddy. Um, <laughs> at that point, Ryan was backing off because he just wanted to have fun, you know. And he knew exactly where the where the twenty four was, and uh, they finished it off in real big letters. I wrote on my on my note card, uh, "Just win," you know. I just, just wanted them to get to the white flag, and they did it. Lean. I knew then that was finally when I could, you know, exhale, take that big breath, 
and uh, realize that they're finally going back to victory lane after after all this time. And man, it was um, it's like I celebrate for about a couple seconds, and then just the way that I'm am, I am, I'm immediately you know on Twitter, getting on Twitter, on Facebook, our all our social media, pumping out stuff because you know these wins for Ryan are some of our biggest social media nights of the year, and mm-hmm. I love to get more people involved in Team Blaney and follow us. So that's like a, a big, basically like a big recruitment night for us, and mm-hmm. it's just so much fun because you see all the people kind of come out of the woodwork celebrating um you know different you know celebrities and people from other sports and other you know joseph newgarden who won the 500 you know i'm I'm just trying to tweet out share like comment on everything we can and that's like my fun at the end of these these races and uh man you know uh talk about talk about a victory celebration you know ryan still true to form i wasn't sure there if there was a time when i thought maybe he was gonna do do a burnout it was this but um, saw a lot of respect on social media for him once again for doing the, you know, the the almost the kind of like a Polish victory lap. He doesn't go the whole way around the track, but he, he goes down, turns around, you know, waves to the fans, drives down on the driver's side and uh, stops. And then, you know, so he uh, he was inspired a little bit here from uh, Joseph Newgarden, Team Penske mm-hmm. teammate who won the, the Indianapolis 500, who ran up into the stands, uh, which was a hit. Uh, with, with you know, folks on TV, social media, and with with the fans in the stands. So, what's Ryan do? Climbs out of the car. Um, one difference though between him and Joseph, Ryan got all of his equipment off and took his helmet off, gets the checkered flag, and Ryan and jumps up in there and celebrates with the folks in the stands. And I, I'm just sitting there saying like, he's a man of the people. <laughs> he's a man of the people, and he's celebrating with the people. And wh- what were you thinking? Were you were you were you even watching? Were you already running around the room? What were you were celebrating? <laughs> Yeah, I think I may have been in the corner crying. Uh, just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just just um, the joy, elation. Uh, we were on definitely on our feet the last couple laps. Uh, the dog was like, "Why are you guys yelling at the TV? You know, what the hell's wrong <laughs> with you people?" Um, but uh, yeah, just just so beautiful because uh, that's the way we want to want to see him win races. Just pull out in front of everybody and blow him away because they know that he's that good. And he talked about being comfortable at certain points during the race, like, you know, with what their adjustments they were making. And, and, you know, the more comfortable he was, the faster he's going to go because he knows that his, he, he can trust the car to do what he needs it to do. And, um, you know, major, major kudos uh, to uh, team 12, uh, that's, uh, Jonathan calls his guys team 12, everybody on that team, uh, because they put it together. Uh, they put together a great night. And, uh, what's great about it is once you do it once, um, it's like opening the bottle of ketchup, you know, you've got it open and now it'll just keep pouring out of there once you get yeah. it going. So, and I, and I don't want to make it sound negative, but you know, especially over this winless streak here, the biggest criticism of Ryan Blaney has been that he can't close out races that they have speed early on, especially last year, winning all those stages. And Jonathan even mentioned this in their post-race comments about, you know, we won a lot of stages last year, but they weren't able to close out races. They went to work over the off season. Um, I think it's actually even something you saw during the off season. I thought maybe this was just promo material, but you saw a lot more uh, posts of Ryan in the gym. Jonathan specifically mentions this, that Ryan's hit the weights over the off season and made it uh, a point, a mission to make sure that he is super physically fit and able at the end of a 600 mile race to still be up on the wheel, still be in it mentally and focused. And uh, you saw that, I mean, dominant all day long. Yeah. They had some uh, issues with not being able to win the, the race off pit road every time and continue to control the race. But, you know, restart after restart after a couple of laps, they're able to retake the lead and uh, kind of control everything all the way down to the end. And just to see him pull away in that last run, 
pull away by the distance that he did. Uh, it re- like I said, reminded me of Lanta a little bit where he was dominant at the end, but he was dominant all day long. This is what every single Blaney fan, every single media member that's criticized him has wanted him to do. And he finally did it. And he did it in a crown jewel event, one of the biggest races of the year in the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, getting emotional there at the end of this. I want to play this clip from Ryan's interview on track with Jamie Little. Uh, where you know, I don't, I don't know what it was the, the dust kicked up in the room. Um, something happened here because uh, 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 I think a tear was shed uh, by nearly every Blaney fan that that heard this clip. You start to get to feel like you can't win anymore, and uh, when you don't win in a while, and um, kind of get hard. So, just super thankful to the twelve guys for believing in me, and thank you guys for sticking around. Really appreciate it. Yeah, that says everything about what kind of person that he is you know that's the that's emotion that um you know some guys show some guys won't show um but um it kind of shows the love for each other that 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 those guys have you know you know all the snipers that want to snipe all the time about this guy and that guy and we should get rid of this guy and that guy should be fired you know forget about all that this is about a team and the way they're together and the way they you know you lose together and you win together and um they really put it together and 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 they're going to keep doing that now that's the thing once you once you know that you you can trust each other um and put you know put your you know your trust in each other's uh, hands uh anything's possible and uh they showed it and now they're just going to keep showing it yeah really really incredible to see uh this team evolve see them be so so good last year and just on the cusp of winning never being able to get there um, really, really proud of everybody, top to bottom. Ryan, Jonathan, Josh Williams up in the spotter stand, uh, the road crew. I mean, the pit crew once again. I mean, they there's not much more that they could have done in that race. Um, I don't know what I don't know if they ate their Wheaties. I don't know what was in the water there in Mooresville this past week, uh, but whatever it was, they need to replicate that the rest of the year because now this 12 team is in extremely good position when it comes to the point standings. Now, so they've been incredibly consistent again this year. Uh, I think they have one of the highest average finishes out of the entire cup series that's kept them in the top uh, 10 of the cup series point standing. So now with this win, Ryan Blaney um, gained the most points. Now, again, this Coca-Cola 600 had four stages in it. So this is the biggest opportunity to get points uh, during, uh, during the year in one single race. And Ryan Blaney took advantage of that. He gained the most points out of anybody in this race, 64 points earned uh, for the regular season standings there along with five playoff points for the win plus the playoff point there for the stage win now in the nascar cup series overall point standings ryan blaney is second in the standings now he jumps from seventh to second in the standings ross chastain was non-existent in the coca-cola 600 that was a huge detriment to him he's been the points leader on and off here for the last several weeks ryan blaney is now just one point behind ross chastain in the nascar cup series point standings and this is the exact same position that this team was in nearly all year last year even in into the playoffs um except they have a win in their cap and i think the sky's the limit at this point uh as they go forward yeah, remember you win the regular season title. It's like winning three races. It's fifteen bonus points that you get every round that gets reset throughout the playoffs. So last year when he got closer and closer to that, and then they couldn't quite get to it the last couple of races, um, 
now this year, you know, he's basically two points from, from passing Chastain. Uh, I hate to say it, but Chastain's starting to disappear a little bit. I don't know what's going on over there at track house, but I'm okay with that. Um, Ryan is consistently, you know, up in the top five the last couple of weeks. And that's, you know, it's all he's got to do now. Just tick off some more uh, stage wins to get some extra points maybe get another W in there. And then like I said, finish, finish first in the point standings, finish first in the point standings, get those 15 extra points. It's like winning three more races. And then, uh, then the playoffs will look real nice from the setup. Now that we've finished up our own recap of Ryan Blaney's victory, thought it'd be a great time to bring on our special guest for this episode and uh, debrief a little bit about the win and a little bit about his career. And that's going to be Tony Palmer, the race engineer for the number 12 Team Penske Ford Mustang of Ryan Blaney on the NASCAR Cup Series. Tony, welcome to the Team Blaney podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. So, Tony, uh, just to, to start off, uh, congratulations on that victory. I know it's a long time coming. Thank you. Your first, uh, your first, first points win, at least in, in this position, I think, on, on the Cup Series. Um, just any quick emotions from that win before we get into a little bit of history uh, behind your career? I mean, it's a pretty awesome win uh, to be able to win the 600, uh, to be here at home. Obviously, like we talked about earlier, it was a super long weekend, but uh, certainly worth the wait. It's, uh, it's a pretty sweet win to, uh, win to get for the team, for sure. So, Tony, you're a 2009 graduate of uh, West Virginia University where you got a mechanical engineering degree. Um, first off, uh, Dale Blaney, uh, Ryan's uncle, was yeah. a star basketball player at WVU. I uh, know you didn't go to school around the same time, but uh, was there still any Blaney memorabilia around at the school? Or did you ever hear stories uh, going back to those uh, those years? So, actually, kind of a small world. One of my really good friends growing up, um, his name's John. His dad was actually a trainer at WVU. <clears throat> when Dale played basketball. Um, so I've always, you know, known quite a bit about the Blaney family. Um, yeah, Dale was, I actually watched Dale run uh, sprint cars at Sharon. I think we were in college. Me and my buddy went up there and uh, cool raceway. Uh, got to meet Lou Blaney. It was a, it was a pretty cool experience, but definitely, uh, definitely familiar with Dale and, uh, you know, his time at, at WVU playing basketball. So yeah, it's it pretty cool. So I understand you played, you know, typical played sports in high school, played football, uh, involved in stick and ball sports, but what really got you into, into racing and, and when did you, when did you kind of catch that, that interest? So honestly, I was probably in about middle school. Um, so this would have been around the, like the 2000, 2001 era. Um, just kind of, you know, started watching it on the weekends, kind of really got into it. And actually my, uh, so freshman year of high school and our homeroom class, the, the teacher told us, okay, write down on a piece of paper, what you want to do when you grow up. We're going to open the senior year of school of high school, and you're going to see how much that's changed over the years. And uh, I wrote down uh, at 15 years old, ninth grade. I wrote down, I want to, I want to go work on race cars. I want to go work in NASCAR. And uh, lo and behold, I was you know coming around to graduation, and they they showed me that uh, they handed out our little prison little envelope, and I read it. And it's like, well, this is still what you want to do? Like, of course, right? And uh, I saw my homeroom teacher. I was back home visiting my folks years ago. I was probably I don't know, it was probably like eight or nine years ago, and I ran to my homeroom teacher, and uh, he's like, so what are you doing now? I told him, he's like, wow, he's like, that's pretty cool. You know, that's what you said you always wanted to do, and, <laughs> and here we are. That's pretty cool. So is there anything, um, so obviously you ended up going and getting that engineering degree. Did you do that with that mindset of that goal to work in race cars, and was there anything at WVU that kind of helped prepare you for that experience? So, yeah, that was always the goal. Um, I, I didn't necessarily – know that i wanted to go the race engineering route uh back then so this was like the the early 2000s 
Um, back then, you could kind of go more like a car chief, crew chief route. Obviously, a lot has changed in the last 20 years. Um, so when I was in, in college there, um, I was on the SAE, the mini Baja team, but I also did, um, there was a small uh, dirt car chassis builder there in Morgantown. It's called Hassie Chassis. Um, so I uh, actually started out just sweeping the shop floor. We did uh, dirt modifieds, um, like the uh, the three-quarter car. So I started grinding old chassis um, with a torch and a grinder in the parking lot and kind of worked my way up through college. Um, by the end, I was, you know, hanging bodies, doing wiring harness to suspension the whole nine. Um, so then I decided when I graduated, I was going to move down here. Um, actually, between my junior and senior years of college, I came down to, uh, to learn how to be a pit crew guy. So that's actually how I got my first job um, at Randy Moss Motorsports. When I uh, when I moved down here after college, I just got my job as a pit crew tryout and uh, started out as a mechanic and a pit crew guy. Uh, did truck racing for two or three years. I uh, moved up to the then Nationwide Series for a year. And then I eventually uh, went cup racing my in 2013. Uh, that was my first job as an engineer. I had an interview with uh, Bobby Hutchins, and he's like, you know, you have this engineering degree. I, I wanted a mechanic job. He's like, you have this engineering degree. You know, you could do a lot with it. What do you think? And I'm like, ah, I don't know, but he talked me into it. Um, so I went the engineering route, and then uh, I was there for five years, and I joined Penske uh, in uh, 2018, the beginning of 2018. I was on the 21 car for a few years, and then uh, Jonathan took over as crew chief, and then when he uh, came over to the 12, I came over with him. So uh, you mentioned that uh, that story, and it's actually a story with we've had multiple members of the 12 crew on with us, and it's almost the same thing. It's like at some point you guys take like a leap of faith and you just move to North Carolina. Yep. Well, can you talk about um, doing that and like the, the nerves involved in that or uh, just, just trying to make that dream come true? Like what was that like at that time? Yeah, so uh, actually, so when I was in college, um, everybody would ask me, so – what do you want to do? And I tell them, okay, so what's your backup plan? It's like, well, I don't have a backup plan. This, this is what I'm going to do. Right. So, and I, and I worked at advanced auto parts. Actually, I worked at a, at a grocery store in, in high school and I moved to advanced auto parts. So I just want to get around cars more. Right. Which ironically ended up becoming one of the, one of our sponsors, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, so, you know, I did, I did that for a while. I was like, all right, when I graduate, I'm moving to North Carolina and that's it. So I packed up my pickup truck, um, a guy that, I had met when I was down here, learned to be a pit crew guy. I was, was a tire carrier for a few years before I um, uh, moved over to the, just mechanic slash engineering side. Um, I, he's like, yeah, you know, you can you can room with me when you move down here. You got some place to stay. Packed up everything I had in my 97 Silverado. I had my clothes in the back, my bed in the back, a lamp, some stuff in the, the passenger seat, and that's it. I just moved down here. I didn't have a job. My first, I graduated in 09, so moved down here around June. And I started out as just like a, there was a, a organization that did just like, basically they would put picker guys together and wrench you out to ARCA teams, truck teams, whoever. I mean, we drive all day, go pit a race somewhere eight hours away for 200 bucks, and then get in the van, drive right back to Charlotte. Um, you know, do whatever you had to do. So I did that for the remainder of 2009. And then at, uh, at the end of the year, I got a, I got a trial at Randy Moss Motorsports. Um, on the five truck with Mike Skinner. That was my, my first gig. Um, got the pit crew tryout and, uh, yeah, just kind of made it from there. But honestly, like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. You just come down here with the determination. It's like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So that failure wasn't an option. So just hammer down. 
Were you? Were, what were you doing uh, over the wall? Were you carrying? Were you Jack? Were you actually on the gun? Or I was a tire a tire carrier. Um, this was obviously back in the day when we had two tire carriers. Um, I was primarily a front carrier. I did some rear stuff, um, but yeah, I started out as a uh, as a front tire carrier. Now those jobs have definitely evolved over probably when you did it to now sure. where it's like elite athletes that are going over the wall. Do you think that, um, that you would have still been successful if you stayed on the pit crew side of things? Now, again, you, you were an athlete, at least in high school. Um, or do you, do you, uh, think that it was a good move to maybe go on to the mechanical and engineering side of stuff? I mean, I would like to think that I could, could maybe <laughs> still hang. Um, obviously I'm not as young as I used to be. Um, uh, obviously it has changed quite a bit. Um, especially now the tire carriers got a lot more running than we used to have to do back in the day. So uh, now that, now that you're down to one, that certainly changes the dynamic quite a bit. Plus the other side of the coin is, I mean, with anything with athletics, as you get older, I mean, your, your body doesn't keep up so much. So like the long-term goal or the longevity of a pit crew job is a little different than having, a, you know, a, a mechanic job or an engineering job or something like that. So the long run is definitely, is definitely has its benefits. So no. for the for for the people listening, okay. So now you've evolved. You know, you, you you're interviewed and you've gotten the engineer job. What does that entail? What type of work are you doing um, during the week and then on race day as an engineer? So a lot of different things. Um, so primarily, you a, a big part of the job is providing the crew chief with information, right? So he can make the calls and decisions that he makes. Um, kind of throughout the week, basically, I'll just briefly walk you through the week. Monday's kind of the first probably half of Monday, the two-thirds of Monday is kind of debriefing the week before, right? So you'll come in, you'll break some stuff down, you analyze. Typically every Monday, uh, me, Hassler, uh, Ryan, and our spotter, Josh, we'll get together, we'll go have lunch, kind of do a little debrief. At that point, we've already, you know, broken some stuff down, some analytics, kind of, kind of recap the weekend. And then later in the day, you're kind of already – on to the next week um <clears throat> tuesday is all about getting next week's car set up um kind of prepping with race strategy kind of stuff kind of getting your your game plan for the week ahead um so yeah a, a lot of my job is is kind of like the the behind the scenes like getting has for the information that he needs um even ryan and josh um so they can make the, the decisions that they make on a weekly basis now you uh, mentioned Josh uh, Ryan Spotter there for a second, and uh, you were at JTG when Almendinger won that Cup race. Now, can you correct yes, me if I'm wrong? Was Josh Josh was spotting in that race as well? Yes, he, yeah, he was a spotter. We were uh, last night. We were in victory lane, standing next to each other. I said, "You realize the last time I did this, you were standing next to me too." Um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been nine years since my last Cup win. Uh, so it, it feels pretty darn good to uh, to get back in victory lane, especially with. Uh, with a team like this and a race this big, it's, it's pretty awesome. So when you end up in this uh, at uh, engineering role at the Wood Brothers, that's kind of the first time it seemed like where you could really just focus on on that side of the game and not be a backup pit crew guy or anything like that. Right? Um, was, was that a big change to finally get get a focus, or um, or like I said, you you don't did you miss uh, any aspects of being on the crew? So it, it was definitely a little bit of a transition. So, I mean, coming from a smaller team to a big company like Penske, like stuff works way different. I mean, honestly, when I was still at JTG, <clears throat> sometimes damage stops. Like as I sat on the box as an engineer, I had a fire suit and helmet. In damage situations, I would still go over and help um, tag out for pit crew guys because I had the hands-on experience and stuff too from the past. Um, and 
once I came to Penske, there's a lot more of, okay, this is your job. This is the box that you stay in. Um, so that's a little bit of a transition at first. Now, ever kind of since COVID, um, we've kind of learned, even with the bigger teams, to do a little bit more with less people. Um, so, like, for instance, uh, sometimes I'll fill in for our tire guy and do tires. So I'll do tires and my job. Um, I haven't done any picture stuff, I don't think, since 2017 was the last time I actually went over the wall. Um, so those days are far gone. I mean, there's certainly times where I wonder, you know, could I still hold up these days? But, you know, I'm quite a bit older and, you know, the stops have changed a ton. Like last time, last time I did pit stops, we didn't have the ride height rule. We had ride height rule. So the, the car wasn't super dropped. We had five lug nuts. We had two tire carriers. It's quite a bit different. So certainly different for sure. You mentioned going over the wall in, in repair situations and, um, we, we talked a lot about that last year there because there are some key uh, key instances at Daytona and Bristol where that was really necessary to keep you guys alive in the playoffs. Um, now, you said there's guys that already are kind of that's their job now. But yep. when they when they're they are doing that, they are going over the wall and fixing things. Do you are you kind of like chomping at the bit like, man, like, I, you know, I, I know I can get over there and help fix this. Like, is, is there any tension involved in that? So honestly, not really. So rain, <laughs> the guys are awesome. Um, they do a great job. And honestly, Last time I did anything like that, it was quite a bit different. We were actually allowed to, to put parts back on the car. Yeah. And we could do way more back then. Um, we had truck arms and completely different suspension. Now these guys are out there changing tow links and all kind of stuff. Um, while it was a transition like earlier on, now I just kind of sit back and let those guys do their job. Um, some of the tools we have now, I'm actually able to like feed them information that can kind of help them out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's certainly changed quite a bit. Now, Ray and the guys do a great job. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable now just kind of watching them do their thing. Now on, um, on race day, like last night, um, are we talking about strategy as like a pit, pit call strategy? Are we talking about, uh, how to make the adjustments with air pressure? Um, what types of things uh, are, are you helping Jonathan with? So a little bit of everything. Um, so a big part of it is the fuel mileage is the fuel mileage piece. Um, it's gotten easier in recent years. We have some kind of telemetry stuff that helps us out a little bit. It's still not an exact science, um, but I'm able to tell them like, so, so for instance, there in the second stage, we were, uh, we we're going to be a little bit close on fuel. So I'm watching the telemetry telling Jonathan, Hey, we need to save a little bit. We don't. Um, okay. We're in good shape now. He can go ahead and run hard. So that sort of thing when we need to, when we need to pit say, um, so you're trying to split and get the most out of your tires. It's easy to, you know, to do it ahead of time, but then as you get cautions and fact, stuff factored in, it's like, okay, well, our split lap is this. Um, we have we have a lot of tools I can look at, like, okay, other people are talking about the same thing, so maybe the track's trending this way. So I feed him that kind of stuff, information. He, Jonathan does an amazing job of making these calls. Um, and I'm just basically just kind of feeding him information to kind of, you know, help facilitate that. Yeah, the, the, it was funny because the question I was going to ask was about that fuel run because um, I listened to the scanner actually during the race. Uh, that's actually how I put my race report together. And I knew exactly what was going on. That that's They were saying to save, to save, to save. The TV side was so funny because the TV side was saying, oh, well, he's only got short run speed and that's why he's not really pulling away. And I was like, no, he's not pulling away because he's trying to save fuel to the end of the right. end of the run. And, uh, it really was, was, was amazing. Cause at the point that you guys said it was okay to go, then all of a sudden he was gone. He yep. was gone. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you're watching for what you're watching for like his, um, his, his, 
with his on throttle time, things like that. Is that how you yes. figure that out? Yeah. So we can watch his throttle trace um, with SMT. I mean, everybody has access to it, right? Mm-hmm. So we can kind of watch. It's like, okay, maybe he's lifting a little bit early. Maybe at the end of the straightaway, he's not quite a wide open throttle. Um, so we can kind of see when he's trying to save us a little bit. That's a big help. That's something we didn't have in the past. Um, back in the past, we'd say, hey, save us some fuel. And I had instances in the past, like years and years ago, we said, hey, save us some fuel. And they go faster. It's like, <laughs> okay, you're not saving us fuel. It's like, well, they were. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you got to go slow to go fast, right? Mm-hmm. So now we can actually see, okay, yes, he's saving us. All right, so he's lifting early. He's a little slower getting back to the throttle. Uh, maybe like at a speedway, he's only running part throttle. That kind of stuff is, is a huge help for us. Before we were kind of taking their word for it. Now we can almost kind of quantitatively say, okay, approximately what he's saving us. Now I mentioned about things changing again from the beginning of your career to now. Um, we've, like I said, a lot of these stories about people packing up their stuff, go to North Carolina, trying to find an entry level job and then working their way up. Is it still like that in this sport or has the way that, that people are entering the sport now kind of changed pretty dramatically? Um, it's changed a little bit. Um, I say you still see some of that. Um, but I mean, I feel like just the way people look at things in general has changed. Like back when I was trying to get into it, it's like, okay, whatever it takes, whatever I got to do, like, you know, let's go for it. We'll do it. I feel like now like the younger, younger generations feel like it's easy. Things are easier than it really is. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's changed a little bit. Um, like I said, obviously for me, I've been, I've been down here since 2009. So clearly we, we've seen quite a bit of a change and, and I, I've come across a couple like younger people like, Hey, you know, how do I get in? What do I do? It's like, look, you've got to come down here. You got to be, you got to be dedicated. You got to be willing to do the, the jobs that other people don't want to do and doing them the best that you can. Because what a lot of people are looking at is your work ethic and your drive not necessarily what it is the job that you're doing because if you show that you can do the most entry-level job really well well you can probably do the next job pretty well and then kind of work up from there now, i know you did it uh while you were in college but you talked about working at the local chassis shop you talked about uh working on some dirt cars and things is that even it's just another thing if you're at your local short track just start walking around the pits and, and start volunteering yeah and honestly just ask to work for free that i mean that's how i got to start there was like I said, I, I found the email address for the guy that, that ran the place. And I sent him an email. I said, hey, listen, I'm really interested in racing. I don't want a job. I just want an opportunity to learn. I'll work for free. I'll do whatever whatever you want me to do. Um, and that's fine. And honestly, by the time I graduated college, like, I was doing everything there was to do in the shop. Um, I, I was, you know, like I went from, okay, what do I do with this camber shim thing? Or actually back then we had switch tubes and all this stuff. It was very different. Um it's like, what do I do with this? What's what's a pull bar? What's a lift bar? I need I need a spring and this rubber biscuit thing. What what do I do? I had no idea. Um, to the point where it's like that stuff all became second nature. So the probably three three and a half years that I did that, I went from hey, I'm really interested in this racing thing. This is what I want to do. Somebody steer me somewhere in the right direction. To okay, I got a handle on this. I'm ready to go and do the next thing. It was it was it was, it was a great opportunity, and I'll be forever grateful for it. Now you worked on trucks, you worked on Xfinity cars, you worked on the last generation of cup cars. Um, what was your first impression on uh, this, the switch over to the next gen car? 
happy, sad, nervous, angry. I mean, it, it seems like uh, across the garage, everyone is kind of all over the place on that change. Uh, it was, I mean, I'm not a big change guy to begin with. I'll lead with that. It was certainly different. Uh, there were some things that's like, why, why are we doing this? Why we're doing it? Um, as things have evolved and improved, it's gotten definitely better. Uh, there's pros and benefits of this car. I still think there's a lot of benefits that the old car had that maybe they shouldn't have just, you know, thrown out with the, with the bathwater. Um, I think they were, they were very, you know, set on a totally clean slate. I, I think there's some stuff about the old car that was better. I think there's some stuff about the new car that's better. I think, you know, ideally somewhere in between will probably be the best deal, but you know, we, we got what we got and I think it's, it's improving and we're just going to just keep going with it. We talked a little bit about making adjustments on the car and that was kind of a thing that happened throughout this 600 mile race at Charlotte. Um, we talked a little bit about the, it seemed like Ryan had a really great short run car. Um, obviously there was still a lot of speed over the long run, but it did seem like at least from the TV broadcast, he could trend loose. Uh, the crew made some uh, adjustments with the wrench in the back of the car throughout that, especially maybe one really crucial one at the end of the race. Um, can you talk about making adjustments on this car and then maybe a little bit about the adjustments that were made uh, throughout this race that gave it kind of the winning speed it needed? Yeah. So um, I feel like we had a, a pretty strong car out of the box. And like you said, we did definitely trend a little, a little freer on the long run. And uh, this race historically, as it cools off and goes into the night, the racetrack itself trends freer also. Right. So it, it's kind of a fine line between bouncing. Okay. We need to make sure that, you know, we're, we're protecting against the long run. We want to stay ahead of the racetrack. You never want to get behind the racetrack, which is easy to do, right? Because you don't want to make those adjustments too soon. Okay, so the next thing you know, you're, you're, you fire off too tight, right? You fire off too tight, you lose track position, and then, it, you know, then you're, you're clawing your way back. So the big thing is, okay, we need to make sure we keep the short run speed in. We don't want to get too tight firing off. We want to protect against building too free. But then at the same time, we also know that as, as the night goes on, the track's going to trend freer. So there's a lot of, he says, okay, I'm this amount free. Okay. We know what to adjust for, for that amount free. But then we also have to anticipate, okay, how much freer is the track going to get as the night goes on and, uh, and do our best to kind of anticipate how much that's going to be, which can be a little bit of a challenge, but worked out pretty well for us last night. Now, you didn't necessarily make those adjustments right away because with, with these pit stops, especially with the next-gen car and how fast they are, taking that extra beat, that extra second or half a second to put a wrench in the window uh, can mean you know four or five spots on the track. So there's a couple of times where they said, oh, he's, he says he's trending free. They want to do an adjustment, but you know maybe right now is not the right time. Maybe this is not a long enough run to, to worry about it. Um, what are the, the talks about making those calls like on the pit box and uh how what goes into that so that that certainly factors in right you you lose quite a bit more time with this car than the old car um when you put a wrench in the window and honestly picker guys did an awesome job last night um never got out of the nine second bracket on pit stops despite the fact that we stuck a wrench in the window three times um they did an awesome job basically we knew we had a strong car and we knew we we needed to protect on the long run right so even if, say, we maybe lost one, two spots on pit road by putting the wrench in the window, we knew that the car was good enough, and, and Ryan was was certainly on it last night, and we knew that we'd be able to get the spots back, and that, that maybe half second to three-quarters of a second penalty that we paid on pit road, we knew he would easily make it back up on the track. 
This was so, uh go ahead, Steve. As I was say, so the atmosphere, like where are you sitting in relationship to Jonathan? Are you literally right next to him? Are you somewhere else near a computer? I mean, how how are you guys set up in the box up there? So more or less next to him. So kind of the way our pit box is set up, we have two on the left and two on the right. Um, I'm on the right side of the left side, and he's on the left side of the right side. So in, in between us, there's another computer monitor um, and not really a seat there. So, you know, there's a couple of feet between us. We have an intercom, so we can talk just like the three of us are talking right now. So it, it's, it's easy to communicate back and forth. Um, he's got all kinds of data in front of him. We've got several monitors that I – I'll run them all from my machine. And uh, like that SMT that we talked about before, he can say, hey, I'd like to see us versus, you know, the 45. The 45 is pretty fast yesterday. So I can, from my machine, I can dial it up real quick and he can watch both drivers' telemetries side by side right there. It, it's the way the technology is, um, our IT department stuff does, does a great job. Our stuff is, uh, is really top notch and we're able to do a lot um, with that regard. Now, is the is there a war room back at Penske that you're also talking with over your intercoms and, and feeding data to and in other situations as the race goes on? So we have a we have a group back at the shop, uh, race support group. Um, everybody's plugged in. Like I said, technology wise, we're super hooked up. Um, there's some support, some races that I actually do. I'll do remotely from the shop, and honestly, it's really not much different than I'm there, other than not seeing the car in a pit box. I've but I've got an overhead pit cram like I can watch from the shop. Uh, we can talk from our laptop, say we're racing in Fontana, could easily talk on the analog radio all the way across the country, sitting there right at the desk in the shop. Um, you can be on the intercom from the shop, analog radio, our digital radios. Um, we're getting the same feed. Honestly, the only thing that's really slowing behind is the TV feed. Um, it's about a six or seven second delay. Everything is, uh, is pretty darn close to real time. So it, it's pretty awesome what we're able to do. Now you mentioned the pit crew. This is arguably arguably their best performance of the year. Best performance, and I mean they've they've been really consistent this year. But just when you said sub sub ten second stops all day long, all if it wasn't for the advantageous pit uh, box that the twenty four car had, I think you guys would have beat them off pit road uh, majority of the time. Um, you have a history of being a pit crew member. That was kind of the first thing that you got into the sport with. Does that make you? more critical of the pit crews or does it make you a little bit more understanding when they do have some hiccups or, or mistakes along the way? Uh, both, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some parts that you're more critical of. Um, there's, there's some parts it's like, man, you know, I, I get that, you know, um, and like I said, the 24s box, having pit stall one at Charlotte is huge. Um, I mean, you have to go a few feet just to get to the camera and you're done. Right. You, you don't have the, we lose speed, obviously, as you run pit road. You lose speed decelerating and accelerating back to pit road speed, right? They basically just have to decelerate. They don't have to accelerate all the way back to pit road speed. So they're already well ahead of the game. So, yeah, it's frustrating to have them beat you off pit road every time, knowing our pit crew guys are doing a darn good job. Um, it's really just can't overcome that pit box. I mean, they would restart – or they would come in pit road fourth and just keep coming out first. Um, the 24 guys did a great job on pit road, but – it, the box was what was was beating everybody. Um, so, yeah, that's frustrating, but, I mean, that's that's kind of the way the cookie crumbles, right? When you're, uh, you're picking pits, you're going to pick the best one that you can, and certainly some are better than others. And that's just something that's just part of it. Now, you mentioned nine years between 
uh, your last cup series win. This was 59 races for Ryan. You did at least get to, uh, you're with the team last year when they won the all-star race, which obviously really awesome. So you did get to experience this a little bit, Uh, but can you talk about the emotions and just waiting that long, waiting an extra day, (laughs) even just this weekend, waiting for a a 600 mile race, and then finally getting, getting to victory lane and celebrating with this team you've been with for the last couple of years. Yeah, it it certainly makes it a little bit sweeter, right? You know, you sit around the, the racetrack all weekend in the rain, soggy, muddy, waiting around, uh, just ready to get the thing going. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it made that wait, I guess, just a little bit longer. But, yeah, it makes it a little bit sweeter. It's uh, it's certainly uh, it's certainly a special feeling, and it is pretty damn nice. You ready to Who go out and some... get more? <laughs> What's that? You ready to go out and get more? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We hey, yeah. we had a great card in St. Louis last year. I think we got a darn good job, chance of winning one this week. It's like the the the, the lids off the ketchup now, right? It just yeah, it'll I, just start coming out. That's it. Absolutely. Um. So you're you're sitting up at the pit box there, and I noticed there's some people behind you, um, sponsors. Sometimes I yep. saw I saw his girlfriend back there. How wild was that with them over your shoulders at the end of the night? Were they jumping on top of you guys? Um, I mean, yeah, they're they're definitely back there, uh, definitely getting into it. But honestly, you're so laser focused on what's going on, everything just kind of tunes out. Um, everything just kind of slows down. And you're you're just focused on you know what's right in front of you. Um, and then obviously once you know Ryan crosses the finish line, it's uh, it's a totally different story from there. It's uh, the celebration certainly begins, and it's something else. Yeah, I, I told Steve I feel like I need to go back and and watch. And this is just even as a fan's perspective, I need to go back and watch that last run because I don't feel like I you know paid as much close attention. I was just waiting for something to happen. All right, when is this going to caution going to happen? When's when is someone going to hit yep. a wall? You know, when is like his tire going to go down? Like something fluke. I mean, guys were losing it, you know, on their own yeah. during yeah. this race. I'm like, when's he going to going to spin out? And um, like the last five laps, I'm like, just get to the white flag. Just get to the white flag. Just that it finally <laughs> happened. So, I mean, for me as a fan, that's my my experience. I know for a lot of you, and I just can't imagine the, the stress that you guys are going under and not even the stress, but you got to be prepared to know what to do when yeah. if, a, if a caution did come out with five to go. Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, that's what we're sitting there talking about. It's like, OK what happens when a caution comes with six to go, seven to go, right? It's like, okay, you're out front. So you don't know what anybody behind you is going to do. You know, if you stay out and you have three or four guys stay behind you, you're probably fine. You're the only guy that stays out, you know, you're sitting duck. So it's, it's certainly something that we were thinking about preparing for. And honestly, uh, hard to say what the call would have been, but uh, really glad that it, it stayed green for us and uh, got the win. Who comes up when you, when you say call, who comes up with all these um, code words for the different calls? So I'm, I'm the guy that, that, that does that. So basically <laughs> what I got is um, in one of my spreadsheets, um, I have basically I've got all of our, um, a lot of our sponsors. Um, mm-hmm. So we have sponsors, colors, and numbers. And I, and I have a little Excel program, and I just it's a random number generator, and it randomly sorts them every week. And uh, that's what we stick in the card, and we stick on our uh, on our notebook books and that's what we go with so yeah it's different every week so we can keep them guessing yeah i heard number three yesterday yeah. and anymore i just wait to see what happens because yeah. I, I, have, I really don't know what number three is yeah. uh, discount discount a couple times has come up and i knew it was some sort of a two tire or no tire type of thing but um and i know it changes every week too i was yeah, always curious curious yep. where that came from it's it's totally random it's typically sponsors and we just uh we make it totally random, and that way uh, 
like I said, just like you don't know what it is, that's exactly what we want because we don't want the guys we're racing against to know what it is. Um, hopefully we can catch them by surprise. Now, the, uh, lastly, the Coca-Cola 600 is a, a crown jewel race. Ryan's first. Um, easy question. Does that make it a little bit more special than than if you were just to win it at Gateway, not just to win? It's You're winning the Cup Series. But if you were to win Gateway, um, winning a race like the Coca-Cola 600 just make it a little bit sweeter? Oh, absolutely. 100%. It's uh, it's definitely one of the uh, like I said, it's one of the crown jewels. And uh, I mean, heck, it's the longest race that we run. It's very prestigious, and uh, to be able to win that one, is, yeah, just a little bit more special for sure. Right, locked in the playoffs. Don't have to worry about that. Um, Absolutely, that's a that's a huge relief off <laughs> our shoulders. Absolutely, yeah. Second in points by just one point right now, and I think setting up for a really really great summer stretch ahead for this twelve team. Sure, hope so. Well, Tony, I think uh, for myself and Steve, we want to thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time, especially so soon after uh, that Coca-Cola 600 victory that just came last night with Ryan Blaney and that Team Penske number 12 team. Um, we wish you so much luck uh, going forward, and uh, hopefully you guys get a get an opportunity to compete in the, the championship for at Phoenix a little bit later this year. Absolutely. I greatly appreciate it. Really enjoyed talking with you guys. Well, Steve, we say this every single time that we have a special guest on the episode of the Team Lady podcast that is a member of that Team 12, uh, as you like to talk about it. Um, having Tony on the show, just another great set of insights, another job on the crew that he got to explain. And uh, it's still that classic story, you know, you know, getting into racing early on. He went the engineering route, getting his degree, still made that, you know, leap of faith driving down and moving to North Carolina. And he's made that dream come true. And um, now, along with Ryan and the rest of that 12 team, he's also a winner of the uh, Coca-Cola 600. Yeah, it was uh, it was great to pull that off, get that interview in today. I wanted to have somebody from the team on. Um, everybody deserves a victory lap after after a weekend like they had. And, um, you know, he, he was a great guest, great to have on, great insight uh, into some of the things that go on behind the scenes. Um, you know, TV doesn't show everything. TV tries to give you some of it but uh, they don't have enough time to spend on, on some of that stuff. So hopefully you learn some things like I did. And, uh, you know, I, the more we get to talk to these people, the more we're really rooting for them. Uh, Cause you find out more about them, you know, they, they took a leap of faith and they jumped out there and did something like, like, you know, riding on, a, on somebody's couch and, you know, working for free for a while to find out how to do these things. And, 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 and also being, you know, you know, smart enough to know, like, he, you know, he went and got his degree, you know, coming into it. So he had all kind of options and, uh, uh, you know, he's showing how smart, smart a person he is, uh, on pit road. He's a dependable person and, uh, somebody who's definitely uh, there to help uh, Jonathan with the strategy every week. It was cool to find all that out. So, uh, it just m- makes you wish for more and more success for all of them. And what's been so cool about every guest so far from Jonathan to, to Ray, to Raymond, to, um, to Mule, Dave Nichols, uh, now to Tony here, every single one of these guys are, are pure racers. Yeah. A couple of those guys got some, you know, fairly prestigious engineering degrees, uh, but they've all started out at the kind of the short track level and worked their way up. And, um, that's the kind of, you know, that's like the Blaney family right there, you know, and I think it's, it's a perfect fit for uh, them to be working on a team with, uh, Ryan Blaney. Yeah, Fatback. Um, Fatback posted a picture this weekend of uh, his victory uh, with Juan Pablo Montoya in the Indy 500 years ago. So, I mean, Team Penske is just peppered full of people who are successful and uh, and know how to win races. So, uh, and, and Fatback is over there with the Porsche program, and they won a couple weeks ago. So, 
you know, everybody uh, around uh, Penske, uh, they're winners, you know, for whatever you want to say about this guy or that guy, forget it. They're going to figure out a way to win. And this weekend, they they pulled off two wins in two days. That's what That was this past weekend. Let's talk about this weekend ahead as the NASCAR Cup Series heads to Worldwide Technology Raceway uh, in the St. Louis area. But the NASCAR, NASCAR Xfinity Series is actually going to be out there in Portland. Uh, so they're going to be split across the country a little bit here. But let's go ahead and give you that NASCAR on TV report for the upcoming weekend here. Uh, the action is going to start on Saturday with at 10 a.m. with NASCAR Cup Series practice and qualifying on FS1. Um, you're going to be able to to catch that. Hopefully, I mean, I'm hoping that they get this in. I haven't looked at the weather forecast, uh, but I'd like to see what what happens out there at that track at Gateway. 1:30 p.m. Eastern Time. You have the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Toyota 200, also on FS1, and then a little bit later on in the afternoon, 4:30 p.m. Eastern Time. You have the NASCAR Xfinity Series Pacific Office Automation 147 at Portland International Raceway on FS1 as well. I'm interested interested to see what happens in that race at Portland because it was a total like deluge for that race last year. (laughs) It was kind of crazy. Um, I know, uh, you know, Blaney fan, Nicole was up there. Uh, uh, that's one of the races in her home area there. And I think she got soaked. So hopefully I think the weather is going to be a lot better out there in Portland over the weekend for that NASCAR Xfinity, Xfinity series road course race. Uh, but the big race is going to happen on Sunday, June 3rd, 3:30 PM Eastern time, the NASCAR cup series, enjoy Illinois 300 at worldwide technology raceway. You can catch that on FS1. Um, not a lot of stats to look at here when it comes to Ryan Blaney at Gateway because we've only run one race there, and that was last year's race. But luckily, it's a good stat. Uh, started fifth, finished fourth. Um, so already only uh, led 12 laps as well. And teammate Joey Logano went to victory lane in that race last year. Uh, so this is a newer track to the Cup Series. You know, a few years ago, it was on, I think, the Xfinity and truck level for a little while went away it's come back now and um it's not exactly uh, a mile and a half i think it's just a little bit under that um but hopefully that uh hopefully whatever the fords found at charlotte i don't know if it'll it'll go over right exactly to this race uh, at gateway but you know anything anytime they can pick up some speed against these competitors especially against the toyota especially against you know basically team hendrick over there um it's it's positive. They're moving in the right direction and Ryan's coming off of a win. I don't know if that means the rest of the year, you're going to see them gamble a little bit more on strategy. Uh, but this is also a little bit shorter race doing to due to the fact that it's a little bit shorter of a track as well. So yeah, 245 laps, I think 300 miles. Uh, what are you looking forward to this week in, in this race? Um, you know, because it's not really your typical track, um, it should be interesting because it should throw everybody into the mix. It should be a kind of thing where anybody can, uh, you know. It's shaped like a mini Darlington, but, you know, the turns yeah, aren't the same. They're not the same. They're not as high banked. And, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of shenanigans take place. Now, the, <clears throat> wasn't this last year where uh, the 11. And this the, is a uh, Ross Chastain and, and Denny Hamlin and, yeah. and uh, Denny, you know, Denny talks about. <laughs> chase throwing a tantrum uh in this race last year i mean man i don't know i don't know uh, i feel like denny kind of threw a tantrum a few different times as the field came around and denny tried to get in ross's way for for taking yeah. him out so yeah i kind of i kind of now look at a cory lajoy because uh, like uh, that becomes the story of the weekend is you know of course because you know, chase is suspended and they're not going to appeal that suspension so uh, let's see what happens with Corey in that car. You know, hopefully he can make the most of that opportunity. Um, 
somebody was actually posting a thing about like what happens if he wins because he's in that car and he would be the winner, but the owner's points and this and that. And he would qualify but, for the playoffs with, with yeah, a victory. So, so um, not that that's going to happen, but I mean, it'd be great to see him come out with speed and be like a, a top 10 kind of guy. Um, Cause we know he can race up front when he has the car to do it. So um, that becomes kind of the storyline. Uh, but like I've also said now that once the, you know, I knew this before, once Ryan wins a race, <clears throat> it's like just a, you know, a tidal wave, you know, they can just win two or three in a row. No problem now. Um, cause they're just going to show, like we know, said, top five here last year, led 12 laps. So, yeah. So they showed that they've got what it takes. Um, and the team is coming together and everything is just going that right direction now. So, you know, as long as they don't, uh, celebrate too hard during the week this week, um, <laughs> I think that's going to be another <laughs> good weekend, uh, to watch the 12 team in action. So again, if you want to catch at least the Cup Series action on track, 10 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday, NASCAR crap, uh, NASCAR Cup Series practice and qualifying on FS1, and then the race itself, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, the NASCAR Cup Series, enjoy Illinois 300 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, also on FS1. Uh, so let's jump back in time a little bit, one more time, back to the Coca-Cola 600, and this time we're going to highlight the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Shout out to uh, Jordan Daniels, who's very active in the Discord for not setting a lineup this week and giving us all a little bit extra of a boost. Uh, I think a lot of people <laughs> are saying that that now going forward, he needs to not set a lineup anymore because that is definitely the thing that made mm-hmm. Ryan go to victory lane. So yep. I think you're in agreement. Jordan, sorry. Sorry. Um, you're done. You're done mm-hmm. for the year. Just, just, you know, only <laughs> name only. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So my starting lineup Um I t- tell you what, I bought into the Fords are not going to fare well uh, ideology heavily <laughs> this weekend, and I left uh, all the Fords out of my lineup, and I only went with uh, Chevrolets and uh, Toyotas. So start- starting lineup here uh, was Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace, William Byron, and I actually had Denny Hamlin in my starting lineup, but when he got into that accident, I swapped him out, who had uh, Christopher Bell in the garage. And Bell, at that point, was running really, really well in the race. I don't think it was at the point when he was sent to the rear yet. So swapped Hamlin out, brought Bell in. Uh, my featured matchups, I had Hamlin, or I had the Kyle Larson over Hamlin. That was right uh, just by a few positions, though. I picked Chase Elliott over Harvick. That was wrong. I picked Truex over Wallace. That was correct. That was also only by one position. And I picked Byron over Kyle Busch. That was right. And that was by just a few positions as well. So I went three three out of four in the featured matchups. Truex got me 40 points. Kyle Larson, unfortunately, only got me nine. Bubba Wallace got me 34. William Byron got me 48. Christopher Bell got me 27. So I had a decent week i think i finished in the top 20 uh but i did not have as good of a week as you or my wife who you two were kind of battling back and forth there in the standings throughout mm-hmm. the race and she made note of that because she takes a lot of pride when she can beat you That's uh, right. but it didn't work out this week but uh it was close you uh you guys mm-hmm. were really really close on, on point so let's let's hear about who you had in your lineup okay so we had to play the game with i had denny and, and chase the one in the garage and one not so we had to play that game uh, who was going to have more points when they wrecked each other uh, so i kept denny in and took chase out um and that was a difference of four points between the two of them so yay um i had william byron who gave me 48 points i had harvick who gave me 35 and bush kyle bush gave me 35 also and yeah i put for my last usage of Ryan till the playoffs. <laughs> this was the time to do it. 54 points, baby. 
Um, so yeah, that, that boosted me a lot because the, the matchups were half, I think half and half here. I had, uh, Larson over Hamlin by, you know, and he beat him by five positions. <laughs> uh, Chase Elliott, uh, I had Chase over Harvick and that didn't work out. I had Bubba Wallace over Truex and that was one position one spot. That's one spot. I mean, I could have won that by, that would have been 10 more points right there. Um, and then I had William Byron over Kyle Busch. So half and half there. Like I said, it could have been 10 more points. Uh, 10 more points would have, uh, you know, what would 10 more points have done for me? I'd have to go back and look here, but yeah, that would have put you into a tie for fourth. Yeah. So that would have been good, but that's all right. It's still slowly moving uh, up the board, getting closer and closer to those positions ahead of us. So, yeah. So a good weekend, like I said, overall for us, I ended up in the 18th position with 188 points earned, uh, you, uh, we'll get to you in, in a minute here, but let's take a look at the top 10 in points earned points earned at Charlotte motor speedway for the Coke 600 and the team blade and NASCAR fantasy live league in the oh. 10th position. Team oh, Penske. The, I was going to say, start with 11th, start with 11th. Oh, okay. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess my wife, Tara, her, her, uh, my wife, Tara, her team's name is Rogers T 11th position. Just one point outside of the top 10, 10 there with 195 points earned. So she was in 11th. In 10th, we have Team Penske, 196 points. In 8th, in a tie, we have Mez 12 and Blaring Idiots with 199 points. In 7th, this is a new one here, Little 7474, 201 points earned. In 6th, we have Racer F, Racers F. Or Racer SF, one of those things. 205 points earned in fifth. No hesitation, 207. Fourth, Supermod, 209. Third, Pocono Lady, 216. Second, Moose Hunter, 1960, with 250 points earned. And this was a tight battle here for the lead. Just one point more. Penske Fan, 24, 251 points earned. Takes over the top spot in points earned at Charlotte Motor Speedway, the team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. So congratulations to those folks that made it in the top 10 and also those folks that just missed the top 10 by one point. Uh, congratulations to you as well. Let's take a look at the overall standings now. I'm going to scroll down and find myself. I am up to, or at least hovering around this in the 30s, the 31st position. I'm tied with Whip Wilson there. Team Blaney host Adam, 2,479 points. Uh, now we're going to go in and talk about the top 10. Sam Speedsters in the 10th position, 2,603. In a tie for eighth still, Mez 12, Blaring Idiots, 2,621. You guys are tied in the standings. You were tied as well in the, the points earned at Charlotte. Seventh, Go Larson, 2,624. Fifth, Epic Chickens, 1916. And no hesitation are in a tie for fifth, 2,626 points. And fourth, Christian Dana, 2,653. Third, Factory of Sadness 6, 2,667. Second, Penske Fan 24, 2,687. And in the first position in the overall standings in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League, we have Blaney's Daisy, 2,691 points man i need to do some work <laughs> do some work get to get to 31st i will le- at least like to compete with you a little bit i know when it gets to the playoffs that's kind of when i pick up a little bit of steam here and sometimes i beat you at least in, in the playoff standings but it is a long way to go i mean you know what eight races ago maybe uh, i was ahead of you with a, yeah. a fairly uh big advantage but i just have not done so well and the race is going on here. Mentioned the fact that Joey Logano won this race last year. Ryan Blaney, you can't use him, uh, but fared really well in that race at Gateway. Uh, is there anybody else that you are targeting? Or as usual, we're going to want to wait and uh, watch and see what happens in practice and qualifying. 
Yeah, I've watched practice and qualifying, but you watch like um, the two car now will come alive a little bit. I it seems like they'll you know try to do everything they can to help the two car because they would love to have all three of them in the playoffs. You know, so they'll they'll do some things I'm sure during the race itself even to kind of like keep an eye out for and help him if they can. Um, so kind of keep an eye on that a little bit because that's something that they did with Ryan last year. Really, when once the uh, you know the the twenty two was in. Um, you know, they tried to work with Ryan best they could in any situation to get him, uh, you know, out front and help him get stage points and everything else. So kind of look for the two car to, to actually do better than he's been doing. Um, uh, like I said, I want to, I want to see what LaJoy does in practice with that car. Cause, um, now he has a chance to drive something that, uh, should work better for him. And, uh, I can't wait to see what his skill set looks like with that, that kind of car. So those are kind of like storyline kind of things, I guess. Um, I'd like to know what happened to track house cause they kind of fallen off last couple of weeks. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if they show up with some speed here. Um, why don't I run down through, uh, it's an interesting top 15 when I look at this, cause again, we don't have much data, but I'll run through the top 15, uh, at this race last year in 2022. Again, Joey Logano won followed by Kyle Busch. Kurt Busch, Ryan Blaney, Eric Almarola, Martin Truex, Eric Jones, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, AJ Allmendinger in 10th. Then you have Sindrick, Larson, Bowman, Justin Haley. This was a good race for him. And Austin Dillon round out the top 15. And uh, also just a notable one here, Zane Smith uh, finished 17th last year in the 17 car. I believe he was filling in because that might have been a COVID issue with with Busher last year. I think he was tapped kind of at the last minute. Mm-hmm. So, um Interesting uh, top 15 there with Eric Jones and Al Marola, uh, AJ Allmendinger, um, all those fo- Justin Haley uh, jumping in there. Haley does a little bit better sometimes on some of these shorter tracks. So uh, interesting, interesting top 15. Um, so I don't know. That tells me, you know, uh, the the 45 didn't do that great or the eighth car. Sorry, didn't do that great last year with Tyler Reddick. So I'm not sure if if Kyle if that will you know Kyle did really well in the 18, but how, is that is that skill is that car how's that going to transfer over? Uh, but he might be worth might be worth a look. Logano might be worth a look too, uh, just as the defending winner. And man, it just seems like even in this race, you know, the 600 that 22 team will be off for the first stage or two, and then all of a sudden here they come. Oh, and I, I made the joke that I'm like I feel like they wait and see what adjustments the 12 makes, and then they just get on that plan, and then they drive up through the field. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty strong. Um, you know, last year was the, was only, oh, yeah, we were just a couple months into the new car too. So some of the teams that were, um, lesser funded were on a little more equal play playing surface at that point. And I would say now they're starting to, we're starting to see the advantage again of the more well-funded teams. Um, and that's why I like the, like you said, the 16 and the 31, I don't see them having that kind of speed anymore. Um, and a track house too. I hate to say that, but track house really showed up well last year, but right now they're not quite the same speed wise. And I'm wondering if they're just not getting enough data and not keeping up with everybody. Um, I don't know. It's really, really strange. Um, the, the, you said Eric Jones there, the, those guys are, are going to be out to lunch, unfortunately, because Chevy's going to bail on them the rest yep. of the year. You know, Jimmy Johnson even said that he only had like, uh, a couple hours of sim time, you know, which is just totally unusual. You know, they probably usually give Jimmy whatever he wants, but nah, I don't think so anymore. So, um, you know, till they get Toyota next year, like you said, I don't, I don't know if legacy is going to have uh, quite a very good year the rest of the year, maybe Darlington, maybe Eric does what he did at Darlington again, you know, but beyond that, 
yeah so i you know what's been interesting is is that rfk and um and and Stuart haas have started to show up more and more last couple weeks all the four teams all the four teams are getting stronger all of a sudden and that's a really good sign actually as the year goes on absolutely well, Steve, this was an action-packed episode. I almost don't want it to end because, the, like I said earlier, these uh, episodes after a Ryan Blaney victory are, are definitely some of my favorite. And I had a really great time talking with you, talking you through the through the emotions, through the ups and downs of that race. Um, really awesome interview with, with Tony Palmer there, uh, the race engineer for the 12 team. Uh, really great to hear, like as we said earlier, his thoughts and uh, insights and a little bit behind the scenes on what happened during the race and what happens during the week out there at Team Penske. So I just want to thank everybody definitely once again for tuning into this episode of the Team Blaney podcast and sticking with us uh, through this winless drought. Um, we knew that win was coming. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blaney and on Instagram and TikTok at Team.Blaney. And finally, we want to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Established in 2018, this organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. To learn more, visit RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're listening to this in the last in the couple of days after Ryan's winning the Coke 600, uh, I guess the Family Foundation on their Shopify store are doing a 12 percent discount count to celebrate the win so i'm sure that's going to last at least throughout the weekend uh get some new ryan blaney family foundation merchandise at a discount and support a great cause so for my co-host steve mez i'm adam rogers we'll catch you next time right here on the team blaney podcast you like brussels check out the tiktok well thanks everybody for coming hope you enjoyed it